Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Valkyries. I'm Jacob. Susie is on the line. Hello, Susie. How are you? Hey, Jacob. I am doing so well. Excited for another NWSL playoff weekend. Can How you about believe- you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's still surprising that we were already here. The playoffs have begun. Then again, last season, you know, the season was already done, done because the championship game had already happened and all that stuff around yeah. this time. But yeah, here we are. The regular season is over. And amazingly, maybe improbably or impossibly, Rain FC are in the playoffs once again. It's incredible. Um, I think. There's not a person out there covering or, or following the NWSL closely this year that um, isn't talking about how unlikely it was for the rain to get here. Not because of the talent that they ha- have or don't have on the team, but because of all the adversity around injuries that they've dealt with. And um, it's one thing for a lot of players to be injured. It's another thing for the for very substantial important players to get injured mm-hmm. and injured when they did and have it kind of continue to cascade over and over and over throughout the year. So here we are talking about the rain in the playoffs. Yeah. And I just think about uh, late July when, it, when we were literally at the halfway mark of the season and I'm, t- I'm talking with uh, Vlako and Anonofsky about the state of the team at this halfway point. You know, the World Cup had, it was already done. Players were making their way back to their teams. Rain FC signs a couple more players after the World Cup just so that they can have uh, healthy bodies available. And then we go through July, pretty much most of August, without the services of Megan Rapino. And yet here we are. Yeah. Um, we, Vladko actually participated in a media conference call this week to preview the semifinal match too and he mentioned you know all of the injuries are hard but I think the hardest one was actually losing Jess Fishlock because of how much what she provides the team in terms of how they play the style of play you we noticed it immediately when she came back in June before she got hurt Mm -hmm. about just how different the team looked so he he really pointed to that one. And then he's like, and then anytime you lose the best player in the world, Megan Rapino, it's <laughs> going to suck. Um, but I think uh, all of the injuries were hard, but that one felt like the timing of it and the type of player that Fishlock is um, was really hard. But it's so cool just to see how supportive she is of the team and just to follow her in her recovery. I mean, she's like already doing squats and she probably could bench press more or like squat more than me right now. And I'm seemingly healthy <laughs> yeah um it's yeah it's still crazy unfathomable improbable think of all the other adjectives you can think of but yeah to think that a team that has been hit with at with at least six season ending injuries then all the various spells of injuries to where at one you know there was a good what maybe four or five game stretch where the injury report in terms of how many players were out was basically a starting 11th worth <laughs> Yep. One game it even hit 13 players. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yet here they are. They've uh, secured the fourth and final playoff spot. And they have a chance to dethrone the defending champions in North Carolina Courage. What do you think about uh, that game on Sunday? Um, you know, if two weeks ago, I would have said... I still feel like 
nobody wants to face the courage right now. They're just such a strong, deep team. Mm -hmm. But in the last two weeks, they lost to the spirit and that Sky Blue kept them tight and honest mm-hmm. um, and kind of showed that you you can withstand North Carolina's pressure um, yeah. if, you, if you're smart about how you approach it. And they are a beatable team. Mm-hmm. Um, the rain did beat them earlier in the season, although that wasn't like the, the lineup that we're going to see this weekend. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think it would have been a lot easier for the rain to beat them on a smaller field like Cheney Stadium where there's not as much width for North Carolina to, to run around and take advantage of space. But this team is going to be super prepared. Um, and if they can just withstand a lot of North, or North Carolina's pressure, they have a chance. Yeah, they do. Um, so in the regular season – uh, Rain and North Carolina met three times. I think just about everybody played each other three times. Mm-hmm. And North Carolina took this regular season series, two, two victories to that one loss. Do you think, if you're a Black Gunner Nasser, do you think there's a lot to take away from those uh, season series for him to learn and you know, to develop a game plan around? I think there's a few things. Um, the last game... I don't remember what the starting lineup was, but I remember they had a lot of players unavailable mm-hmm. um, and were basically playing a five back and four players in the midfield and um, kind of had a striker <laughs> if yeah. they ever got them the ball. Um, so uh, I, I do think that you have to focus on um, putting numbers in the midfield because North Carolina – um, typically lines up in a four, like a four-two-two-two, where they have four bodies in the midfield, and they're they're just so agile. Yeah. Um, that if you only put three there, you're gonna be exposed all the time. And actually, um, the Thorns didn't adjust against them a month ago, and kind of came out with the same formation, the same players that they typically play in the midfield, um, and they just got eaten alive in the midfield. So I think that's where the battle is really going to be played. Um, and I'm, I suspect Blatko has a plan. Yeah. I'm looking up the lineup sheet on that last game that rain FC had against North Carolina. It was on July 13th and the rain FC starting 11 was as follows. So you have Casey Murphy in goal. Then your back line is Steph Catley, Lauren Barnes, Celia, Teresa Nielsen. Oh no, sorry. Celia was up in the midfield because Megan Oyster is there. So Celia's in the midfield with Ali Long and Bevianes. Then up top, you have Bethany Balser, Rosie White, and Jody Taylor. Yeah, and Taylor was at the top, and Rosie White and Bethany Balser were like two behind, like two players in the midfield behind her. Yeah. And then Bev and Celia were kind of like roaming, beh- or Bev and Allie were kind of roaming behind them. And I know Teresa and Catley were kind of playing wingbacks almost. Um, yeah, yeah it's weird. We had a lot of defenders in the lineup as well. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I'm looking at the uh, the game log on Sockaway, and actually the way based on the lineup, the diagram, the formation they have it listed here is a three four three. Yeah, it 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 was kind of a three four three, although I felt like most of the time they were defending, so it looked yeah. more like a five. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, certain that. If we were to like 
run back the tape on that match. Yeah, it was like you said, it was a uh, four five one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do suspect when you have a player like Rapino back, um, it just makes it harder for the courage to um, not focus on that side of the field defensively, and it might leave them a little exposed because their outside backs really do like to get forward a lot. So yeah. um, that'll be really fun to see. Yeah, and speaking of that, with Rapino uh, likely playing in that game, one matchup that I think you're looking forward to is the Megan Rapino versus Heather O'Reilly matchup, since Heather O'Reilly will be occup- likely occupying the right back spot because of the injury to Merritt Mathias. Um, it's so wild. This is it's pretty incredible this season that Heather O'Reilly's had, where she went from barely playing. I mean, mm-hmm. she was on the roster. She did a lot of actual um, analysis during the World Cups that pulled her away as well. Um, and then Matthias gets hurt. And as Paul Riley was sharing this week um, on a conference call, she's actually their fourth backup, like their fourth string right back, but they've had to rotate due to some different injuries to players. Mm-hmm. And she's a very capable, she's a total competitor, Heather O'Reilly. She's going to do whatever is needed for her team, but she hasn't played right back a ton. So um, she's been learning the elements of right back and positioning um in the last two weeks so there may be opportunities for them to really just exploit how she thinks about space and defending um but also kind of have to worry about her on the attack as well because she can whip in uh really really strong crosses which is something that north carolina loves to do yeah and you know what i bet you if you gave heather o'reilly two weeks she'd be a pretty good goalkeeper as well I yeah yeah I don't doubt her her abilities whatsoever to adapt. Yeah, so you and I could just talk about for a good length of time, like what we think is going to happen on Sunday and all that stuff. But we really won't know until the ball is kicked on Sunday, and you know you and I are watching it on ESPN two, like with everybody else. But it's still it's still amazing that we're talking about this team being in a a semifinal game because like you know we've said so many times over all the injuries and were you ever uh, thinking that they were ever at some point just gonna punt the season and just you know focus on developing and rebuilding for next year yeah I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't have surprised me if there was all of a sudden the rain just had a huge dip and it and um just got tired their bodies just broke down because they were pushing them so hard um but I think the kind of common theme that we've seen this year is just how resilient this team is and how much how together they are so um at the same time there was no doubt in my mind that we weren't going to see them try their absolute hardest every time they step on the field um so in that sense it was like sure the season cannot go their way and I wouldn't have been surprised if they had dipped further and further in um the league ladder um but I don't think we would have ever lost that heart that we've seen so much of this year yeah I just I think about uh after 2017 and when they make you know made it official that block was taken over for this team and then you know in that um that first couple of months of 2018 where you know, he's at the season kickoff party and he's talking to the fans, he's talking with us and all those little moments where we got to 
uh, formally introduced him to um, more fans, and we, you know, you and I got to pick a little bit at his brain, get to know a little bit of his personality. One of the things that stood out for me was he said that, you know, we may not win every single game. We're not going to win every single game. But he basically said that what I, I'm, what I am going to do is, like, do everything in my power to make sure that we feel the best, you know, most competitive team as best as we could week in and week out, and we're going to try. Yeah. And, you know, as we've seen, for all the injuries and departures that could have and should have derailed the team, you know, this team into where the season could have been just a total loss, nope, they did not give up. It's going to be so fun this weekend, I think. Yeah, so Rain FC, North Carolina Courage is one half of the semifinal. The other half is Chicago Red Stars hosting Portland Thorns. What are your thoughts on that one? Ooh, good question. Um, this is one where, like, I feel like if you had asked me a month ago, my answer might have been different. Um, <laughs> you might be able to hear my dog rolling in her blanket um, <laughs> over in the corner. But um, uh, I think that the Red Stars are playing too well right now, and the Thorns are struggling mightily to score goals. Uh Um, and I, I think having the momentum that the Red Stars have, they have been a really cyclical team this year. Like they've been very up and down, but I just think they seem to be figuring it out. So it feels like it's theirs to win, which would be the first time they've won a semifinal match. And so I'm rooting for them, for them in that sense. Is your dog rooting for Red Stars as well? I think that was a bark of confirmation. It's a big Sam Kerr fan. Who isn't a big Sam Kerr fan? I know. But yeah, um, I like I like what you said that, you know, Red Stars are kind of like a cyclical team because there was that point, you know, in early August where they were dropping, you know, matches that they probably shouldn't have. And we're, you know, out, you and I were thinking, oh, is this again where that annual Chicago Red Stars kind of dip and then maybe, you know, they dip a little too far deeper than they want and just kind of limp their way into the playoffs. But no, they were the second team to secure a spot, and yeah, it's they're firing on all c- cylinders. Yeah, I mean, you have the you have the golden boot winner on that team. You have, I think, should be the defender of the year in Casey Short. Um, yeah, I think this could be finally the time where Chicago finally gets over that hump and uh, beats Portland. I yeah, I was just thinking about. July and August, they lost twice to Sky Blue. Mm-hmm. They were held tight by Orlando. The rain um, didn't beat them one game that we don't need to oh. talk about, but had <laughs> beat them earlier in the season. Um, yeah, you were kind of starting to wonder. And then um, players got healthy, I think. It helped a lot. Um, Rory Dames did a good job figuring out how he managed the playing time of his players returning from the World Cup. Yeah. And um Sam Kerr did her thing. Yeah. Yeah. T- yeah. Yeah. Let's uh if you want to revisit that uh World Cup homecoming match where where Chicago came in <laughs> Chicago came into Cheney Tatum and dropped four on this. And uh yeah, I think we were all pretty shell shocked. But I you know what, I kind of feel like maybe the atmosphere of that game just got caught up a little bit too much on on the rain because it was their first match after the World Cup, you know. There was a lot of noise about filling uh, 
Cheney Stadium well above its listed capacity, seating capacity in terms of uh, baseball games. Yeah. And obviously Red Stars had come into that game already having their World Cup homecoming match where they do was like 16,000. It, that sounds about right. They had yeah. a really high number, which was super exciting. Yeah, so they were obviously had already experienced their high of seeing, you know, seats filled, a massive crowd, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think it was just a case of that game where they lost uh, really handedly by, uh, to Chicago. I think they just got kind of caught up in the hoopla of the environment and the atmosphere. And then, you know, Chicago was just the better team on that day so sometimes you, you just need a little kick in the butt too to remember what you're capable of yeah because after that loss i think they only rain fc only lost like one other match they lost to utah pretty soon after oh yeah but then i'm trying to think of any others oh and then the courage right Did they play the courage after that yes yeah august 24th mm-hmm Okay. But yeah, but no, they had a really strong closeout and they held the courage scoreless for the first 81 minutes of the game. Yes, I remember that. But yeah, and but then yeah. They, they won the matches that they needed to win, especially yep. that week where we thought, you know, they had what, three matches in a week and, you know, they won two of those three when they needed to. And obviously, it got a little bit of help along the ways. But yeah, it was just amazing that. When they when they needed those wins the most, uh, most of all, you know, they did it, and here we are. Here they are in the playoffs. Oh, I'm getting nervous thinking about it, but excited. Same here. <laughs> so, after the break, we will make our predictions for Sunday semifinal between Rain FC at North Carolina Courage. Um, but actually, after the break, you will hear first our chat with Rain FC midfielder Rosie White. We are here with Rain FC midfielder Rosie White. Rosie, hello. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Um, first off, are you feeling better? Because I know we were supposed to chat with you a couple of days ago, but you were a little bit under the weather. Are you feeling better now? I am feeling better. My voice is still a little croaky, um, but hopefully we can we can get through this without any mishap. All right, sounds good. So um, obviously on Sunday the team travel will be playing against the defending champions North Carolina Courage in uh, North Carolina for the NWCL semifinal. Um, I know the team travels out uh, later this week, and you still have a couple training sessions before the game on Sunday, but. How do you think the team has uh, done so far in training for the match? Yeah, um, I mean, this week, yeah, has kind of, we've put everything else behind us and, and the focus is really 100% on the next game. Um, and I think everyone's really excited to, to be here. I think, you know, we're going to kind of come in as the underdogs and the pressure's really all on them. So, um We've got some strategies and ideas in place, and the coach wants us to work on some specific stuff. Um, and we we kind of know what to expect, so um, I think we're just excited to get there and and play. And you joined the team after uh, Rain FC had already done their season series against North Carolina. Um, if you were able to like watch any of the matches that they had prior, uh, you know, 
earlier in the season. What were your takeaways from from uh, from it as an observer? Then obviously in just scouting ahead for Sunday. Yeah, I was with the team for for one of the matches we played against North Carolina mm-hmm. in North Carolina this year. Um, and you know they're a really strong team. Um, they've got a really deep bench. They've got a lot of uh, physical speed and strength. Um, they're really quick on the counter attack, and I think that we need to to be even quicker and we need to nullify what they're really good at. Um, you know, they attack with a lot of numbers. They get a lot of crosses into the box. Um, so we've been working on a lot of one v one defending, defending crosses, and then how can we attack against their their defense as well? So um, I think that obviously they're really strong, um, mm. but we played well last time we played against them, and I think that we caused them some problems and kind of adapted the way that we played a little bit um, to try and, and, and help ourselves out. Um, but I think, you know, we've got a really good team and um, we've got some, some good threats that will hopefully have them on their heels a little bit. First off, my apologies uh, for uh, getting it wrong, uh, incorrect that you were on the team uh, for one of no, the games. Okay. Uh, it's just, you know, obviously uh, with all the um, signings over the course of the season and because of all the injuries and World Cup stuff, we, you know, we kind of lost track of how many times it was officially announced that so-and-so had joined the team. So my apologies for that. No, it's been a wild year for the rain. <laughs> And this is the first time, Rosie, that you're getting to play under um, Black Cole. Um, one of the things that has been a, a major talking point this year is really how much rotation the squad has had due to injuries in the World Cup, but also just how tactically you all have been able to adjust um, and and really mold your style of play to, to face your opponents. What has it been like for you um, getting to play with Slotko for this latter half of the season? Yeah, I've really enjoyed working with Blacko. He's um he's very detail oriented. Um he kind of is never quite satisfied. Um so he's always pushing players' boundaries and, and analyzing things constantly. Um so it's it's been it's been an interesting experience, you know, he's everything everything is always can always be a little bit better. Um, and I think that the way that he goes over things and in a lot of detail has enabled flexibility in the in the lineup and players to be coming in and out. And I think that he puts a lot of focus and attention to everyone understanding the general ideas that we're all trying to do. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like it was quite an easy transition into the team. He made it very clear what his expectations were and and um, has always been him and the assistant coaches have always been willing to help if there's a lack of understanding or just to give some guidance. So it's a pretty um, supportive environment. One thing we know about him is that um, folks have told us he got his doctorate degree in defending. Um, has he changed um, how you think about the, the how, how you approach defending? Um, you're obviously more of an attacking player, but is he kind of changed how you think about your contributions on the defensive side? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, the first goal that I scored, he was like, just because you scored a goal, it means or it means nothing. You'll be off the team if you don't know how to defend. Well, all right. <laughs> I was like, there's no, there's no mention of, of anything good that you've done. It. Yeah, he, he, he's got a big focus on defending. I'm, I'm actually really glad that I'm not a, not a defender because he's pretty harsh on them. But 
is I mean I think it's it's been really important for our team and that's allowed them to have a lot of success in the past is that they're kind of a fortress in the back and and the defending starts from the front so he he doesn't let up with us either up top and speaking of that uh one of your uh friends is uh teammate Megan Oyster um she I remember one training session where I was talking with her and, we, and I was asking her about the culture of the team in terms of just making it so easy for you players like yourself who joined after the World Cup just to get acclimated so easily without, you know, very much difficulty. And Megan told me that um, Vlatko was asking her for basically uh, some feedback on you, like, you know, what's Rosie White like? And she had nothing but praises for you. <laughs> Me and me and Megan's relationship goes way back, so I'm glad she still likes me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rosie, we um didn't get a chance to chat um last time just about your um experience playing in the World Cup and then joining the Reign. Um, w- one thing that we did notice is that New Zealand has some games scheduled for November playing in China. How, um, how much of a big deal is that for you all to get um, some strong competition um, away from home um, and have um, that investment heading into another year where there's Olympics and other international competitions to worry about? Yeah, um, it'll, it'll be great. I think, you know, it's the first time that we've met up as a team since the World Cup. So mm-hmm. um, it's given everyone a bit of a breather for the last few months to focus on their clubs. Um, but I think from now until the Olympics, we'll probably see a lot of a lot of those FIFA windows being used, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we're playing against China and then uh, we play the winner of Canada and Brazil, I think, is going also. Um, so yeah, um, it'll be it'll be another really great opportunity to play some international games and um, go back to China. And speaking of your international career with New Zealand, there's an interesting uh, line on your Wikipedia page, um, and you can either uh, confirm that it did happen and just reminisce about it, or uh, <laughs> You can, uh, as the saying goes, when it comes to Wikipedia articles, citation needed. So (laughs) it says here that you achieved a unique double by scoring a hat-trick against Colombia in the 2018 U-17 Women's World Cup and then a second hat-trick against Chile in the 2008 U-20 Women's World Cup uh, two weeks later. What do you remember about um, those (laughs) hat-tricks? Um, that was a long time ago, and <laughs> I, I wish I could do it again. Um, I mean, no, that was it was really it was kind of the introduction to my international career. Really, um, mm-hmm. it was the first time I'd really played on the world stage, and uh, that kind of set me up for some good opportunities. That's probably why I got a scholarship to come to the US. Um, so I, I'm pretty thankful that that happened, and I was. 15 at the time or something 14 15 so <laughs> not sure what happened but I need to figure out how to to find that hat trick <laughs> one thing we've seen from this year's world cup obviously there was a lot more people watching the tournament and also just talking about it in the days before during and the days afterwards is everybody says that the this time around the World Cup bump in terms of the NWSL seems a lot more sustainable than it was four years ago. And we've also seen that uh, 
return on that investment in other places and other leagues all over the world. Where do you think uh, New Zealand is on that in terms of uh, taking the momentum from the World Cup and carrying it over into uh, further you know, investments into the domestic league and beyond? Yeah, I mean, you definitely see the way the game has progressed um, around the world. There's so much more competition, um, particularly in Europe. The teams are, are really, really strong. And it's, yeah, it's awesome to see and, and to get that experience here and of the of the benefits of it in the NWSL has been amazing. I think in New Zealand, we're a little bit, a little bit behind the, the game. Um, you know, we don't have a professional domestic environment, um, which is tough for young players. There's, you know, anyone that's good leaves New Zealand to, you know, find better environments to train in and play in. Um, but I, I mean, I think, I, I hope it's coming. There's been talk of uh, a team being added from New Zealand into the W League in Australia, which would be amazing. And I really hope that that happens in the next few years. Um, and also New Zealand has put a, a joint bid in, I think, with Australia for the next World Cup. So, you know, if, if that were to happen, it would be an amazing boost. I think, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think people are still catching on to women's football um, in New Zealand. And we, the first tournament I played was the Under-17 World Cup in New Zealand. Um it was the first on 17 World Cup, and that, you know, really, really pushed a, a big boost through um, to women's football in New Zealand. And I think people are wanting it, but there's just there's not enough of it in New Zealand, and we need a little a little bit more to to get people behind it. Um, but I, I think you know, in terms of growth in, in my career, I've played for the New Zealand national team for almost 10 years, and We've kind of gone up and down in that time period, but from where we were in 2009 to where we are now is is miles ahead. So I hope that it just keeps growing, maybe a little faster. <laughs> okay. Uh, how did you feel about um, just um, the country of of France and how it um, ho- was a host this year for the World Cup? Yeah, France is is an amazing place. Um, it was it was really great place to have a world cup it was a lot of fans at all the games um the stadiums were beautiful um and yeah i thought i thought it was fantastic and you mentioned to us um that before the rain um offer was finalized um right after the world cup that you were close to to going to europe were were you looking at france or were you looking at another european country no, I uh, no, I, wa- I wasn't looking at France in particular. Um, I was looking at England and uh, Norway, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I'm I'm glad I'm glad that uh, the rain came through. That was my top choice. <laughs> what do you like? Um, what do you like most? You've gotten to play in the NWSL now for some years. What do you like most about? Um, playing here versus like thinking about going to another league um i think this is the league is so competitive um, yeah i hope it expands and, and there's more teams but at the moment you know it's it's so tight even the teams themselves are so competitive who's on the roster who's on who's on the playing squad you know all of that is so competitive and then i think any given day it feels like any team in the league could win um, whether it's you know Sky Blue playing North Carolina or whatever it is, there's, there's always a chance that 
either team could come out <laughs> with the win. Um, and I think that, you know, just says a lot about the type of players that are playing in this league. There's so much quality. Um, it's There's no, like, you know, there's no huge difference between the teams. Um, probably just more about consistency. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, Vlaco shared about um, when you joined the team was um, that he was just really excited to have a player that has some more creativity in the attack. But for maybe for people who haven't gotten to see you play as much, who haven't caught as many brain games this year, how would you describe the way Rosie White plays soccer? <laughs> um, I think traditionally I'm, I'm a forward. I've always played as an attacking minded player um, and playing with the rain, I've kind of had more of a midfield role, which I really enjoy. Um, I think I like to think of myself as a creative player. Um, I think I'm, I'm good at reading the game and finding spaces um, and making runs to create space for other players around me. Um, I'm more of a link player. I like to get on the ball and get turned um, and slip players through or have shots from distance um, not not the speediest of players, so I like to play on as minimal touches as possible most of the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope I'm a creative player. Like uh, that, that sounds sounds good to me. <laughs> Susie, is it time to uh, ask Rosie um, the the fun questions? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. <laughs> so Rosie, if a movie was going to be made about your life and career. Who would you want to play you? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Amanda Bynes, because all I can think of is she's men. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. That's a lame answer. No, there's no, there's no lame answers here. <laughs> these, these questions are harder. Okay, carry on. <laughs> okay, so we know that Darian Jenkins is in charge of the. Uh, playlist for for the team in terms of uh, getting everyone energized so if she came to you and asked for three songs to put on the team playlist what songs are you putting on there <laughs> Darren would never come to me and ask me because <laughs> it's so depressing I'm like I'm the opposite of a warm-up playlist I'm like John Mayer and Jack Johnson till I die so <laughs> I'm not I'm not a hype girl that's uh. for sure Everyone's got different preferences. You might have you might have a soulmate there and on the team. <laughs> a music one. Get to find well, me. you may have been prepared for the most controversial question we will we will ask, um, which I don't I don't think it's impacted the locker room although there has been threats. Um where do you stand on a very, very important debate? Um, does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> not a fan. You didn't say it with as much intensity as JC Johnson or Jess Fishlock, but I think you have <laughs> what what way were they going? Were they for they were they were on your side for sure. Okay. Yeah. JC no, yeah. Sorry, I could get more aggressive if you like. <laughs> if you want to but yeah JC basically was emphatic with her stance against it to the point that we almost missed uh, Shay Groom's uh, answer to it as well <laughs> <laughs> I 
I can imagine and JC getting riled up about that sort of thing. I think we were actually almost even in terms of answers, but you have skewed it back in the direction of no pineapple. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> no, I guess we'll just conclude with a little bit more of a serious question, um, <laughs> which is maybe, Rosie, if you can help us um, finish the sentence, which is, the rain are going to win this weekend because just about four. Um, the rain are going to win this weekend because this team is amazing and we've been through so much this year and we were talking earlier and it would almost be funny if we won <laughs> because of everything that this team has had to go through this year. So I think yeah. we deserve it. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we let you go, Rosie, is there anything else you would like to say, like do a shout out, say hi to anybody? Uh, I'll do a shout out to my mum because she came all the way from New Zealand to visit me last week. And I'm sure she's probably the only person that'll listen to this podcast that I tell to her. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks mom. My biggest fan. All right. Well, Rosie, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, Safe travels and good luck on Sunday. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Take care. We are back. Susie, what was your takeaways from our chat with Rosie White? Uh, my takeaway was that the rain needed to win because it would be funny. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> no, it, it, was, be, it, was, it was great to get to know um, uh, get to know her a little bit more, for yeah. sure. I did uh, notice and I found it entertaining that she too had used um, the signature word of Paul Riley and she you know, said that Rain FC are the underdogs who went to this match, much like how Vodka said it during his immediate conference call yesterday. Yeah, I have noticed that Paul Riley has kind of stopped finally using that word after so many great seasons that the Courage have had. You're like, finally he's accepted that they're not the underdog. Or maybe somebody bought him a thesaurus and he's looking at new words. But no, it's, I mean, it is true that Rain FC are the underdogs in this match because, again, all the injuries, all the departures, the team, you know, really shouldn't be here. They are playing with house money. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, Paul Riley included. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if, they, if this is the year where this team gets that uh, first NWSL championship, it would be pretty amazing that they dethroned the current champions on the road to that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it, I mean, I totally think the rain can win this weekend and in the same, um, in that same vein, if they do, then um, it's nobody has a home team advantage for the final because it's in North Carolina and North Carolina wouldn't be there. So I think if they can get over a very, very, very tough hurdle, mm-hmm. um, I feel actually like even better about their chances in the final. Yeah. So obviously you and I are both rooting for Rain FC to win on Sunday, but do you have a score prediction for that Rain FC victory? Oh my gosh. Um, my dog just barked once, <laughs> twice. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, I have to. I have to say that the rain are going to win. I just yeah. feel it. Two to one. Two to one. Yeah. Okay. Because I, um, 
just because I think it'd be more entertaining and even at the expense of our respective and a lot of other people's tensions and nerves. <laughs> I'm going to say rain win 5-4 on penalties. Holy, you're going back to the sky blue rain days, huh? Yeah. But I think this game goes to penalties and that's where we win. And I'm going to be curled up in the fetal position on the floor, freaking every single moment of it. You know, a win's a win, so. <laughs> yeah. But in, so in the semifinals, they still do the two 15-minute extra times. And then if there's still no decision, it goes to penalties, right? Correct. Yeah. That very exciting um, Western New York Flash Thorns semifinal did exactly that. Yeah. And also, uh, or the, actually, I think the flash won at the like end of the second extra time or something. Yeah, but it also wasn't one of the NWSL championship games decided on penalties, if I remember correctly. Was it the flash and um, spirit? Yeah, I think or that's what it was. Go to extra time also. I can't, I'm getting them all mixed up. Which yeah. Is that, but. but yeah, I'm going to be that guy and say something outlandish and say, Rain are going to win it 5 4 in penalties. A win to win, like I said. Right. So <laughs> hopefully the next time you, the listeners, are listening to another episode of Coffee and Valkyries, it will be because we have some uh, we have a lot of good things to talk about and that Rain FC have won their semifinal game and they are playing for the NWCL championship. But if not, we'll, you know, really reflect on the season on a on a fantastic season, an improbable season, and go from there. So, Susie, before we sign up, is there anything else you would like to say? Um, I don't think so, except for um, I've just really enjoyed the season. Uh, it's been definitely a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and it's been really fun being on the journey with you. Likewise, Susie. <laughs> I mean, we'll do the whole season uh, post-mortem thing all that stuff but yeah when we get there after the championship exactly hopefully our post our season post-mortem will be recorded on the first you know sometime after the 27th where rain fc are <laughs> lifting the nwsl championship so with that everyone thank you for listening and we'll see you next time thank you